episode 165, Discussing Diet with a Chef and Osteopath. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today, for Dr. Colin Juice Perspective. Join 2017 and 18 podcast awards nominated host and best-selling author on Amazon as we get a behind-the-curtain look at all types of doctor and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Thanks for tuning in again. We just came back from a Berlin trip before the shutdown. Second wave. Beautiful city. Lots of great buildings. The food was nice. The traffic was terrible. Oh, and driving a stick in hour-long traffic. I don't know why you would do it. I just don't know. Before we jump in today, if you're looking for the list of all the books that all these great guests have recommended, you can go to a doctorsperspective.net slash book list. And today's guest definitely dropped about six different authors so there's at least 12 books referenced uh, today including his own again if you are looking for a way to get more podcast interviews for yourself to have medical doctors and osteopaths call you back to have a conversation about why they should refer to you go to a doctorsperspective.net slash one sheet you can see happy recipients testimonials as well as the samples so go check that out and i appreciate now dr colin today is a chef and an osteopath and he we're going to discuss how he combines the two, how it happened, of course, the origin story, and thriving. That's a big word that he likes to use, and we'll find out why that is. And we'll discuss plant-based nutrition. If you don't know a lot about it, you'll learn more. And how he uses nutrition to educate not only patients, but actually other doctors on how they can get better results with high blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, and things like that. So great episodes coming your way. All the show notes and the transcript can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 165. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from Germany in California, today on the show, we've got a doctor of osteopath, and he's converted himself over to uh, more of the chef field. He's got National Gourmet Institute and Institute for Integrative Nutrition uh, degrees as well, and we just really want to Pick the Chef Doc's mind. He's got a podcast called Thrive Bites since uh, early 2019. He's pretty, he's getting some good downloads. He's excited about it. I'm excited about it. So please welcome Dr. Colin Ju. <laughs> well, thank you, Justin, Dr. Justin, uh, for having me on your show. And I'm happy to be here to chat with you. Everybody got to know one, you still look young. I mean, you're not only so young, you know, because. You're a doctor of osteopath, though it takes forever. Mm-hmm. So uh, what made you go that route? And then how did you switch over to the chef thing? And I guess we'll go into it, but you know, how do you blend those two? Because I'm assuming uh, you didn't have to go to osteopath school to become a chef. So of course. Of course. <laughs> how did that play out? Yeah. So um, so I'm, re- I'm, uh, I'm an American. Um, obviously, you have international you know, audiences. So I'm an American, I'm born and raised in New Jersey born to immigrant parents. I'm based in Los Angeles right now. You know, it's hard for me to kind of tell you, uh, you know, where I'm at now without telling you a little bit of where I came from. And so, you know, I was born to uh, a, a Chinese mother, you know, I have a, I'm Chinese in descent. And uh, my mother is a Chinese medical doctor, very befitting because uh, you do acupuncture and, you know, all this other stuff too. So, so she has been practicing traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, herbs for, uh, I would say four decades now, close to four decades, and she's a master of what she does. Pretty much growing up, I worked in her office in and out over the years, and she really taught me 
you know, really how to look at a, a person, a patient from a holistic approach. From that years of indirect education, you know, I learned about compassion, empathy, and just looking at things from a holistic point of view. And so I really wanted to actually quite funny because I actually wanted to start off being a chiropractor. We actually, um, you know, I'm not a lot of, I don't, I don't talk about this on my podcast, but uh, at first I wanted to be a chiropractor because we actually had a failing chiropractor that was an awesome individual and, uh, he was Jewish and he was just a loving, fun loving guy. Most chiropractors I meet are really fun loving people and they really love what they do and they really want the best for their patients. And so I went into medicine wanting to marry East and West, you know, when I, did, when I decided to go into medicine. And when I got into medical school, I'm sure you probably heard this with uh, other uh, uh, people on your show or your colleagues, but we didn't really receive what I found out was, you know, we learned a lot about disease, you know, how it, you know, became, you know pathophysiology, pharmacology, you know, drugs, um, things like that. But we didn't really learn much about you know, nutrition or lifestyle type of education or curricula. And so, you know, when you follow these doctors, I shout out a lot of doctors, mostly primary care physicians, you know, really, really good at what they do, really caring individuals. You realize that a lot of patients, what they suffer from is what we face on a day-to-day basis, obesity, diabetes, et cetera. When I found out that there was a lack of it, I decided upon myself to seek more education. And so after I graduated medical school, before I matriculated into residency, graduated off cycle because I stayed back uh, to become a teaching assistant. I graduated off cycle, so I had like nine months to play with. And so I didn't want to learn just about nutrition. I wanted to learn more about food and where it came from and, you know, how to source it, how it benefited, you know, our overall health. And so I enrolled myself into culinary school and not just any culinary school. It was more of like a health supportive plant-based you know, culinary school. And then when I went into residency, um, when I did family practice, I blended the two. So mm. that's, that's how I got onto the road. Wow. That's wild. You know, I actually tell people they should probably just go be DOs if they're thinking about chiropractic. I was like, <laughs> maybe try to just be a DO and then you can actually have way more like access and then you can just learn the chiropractic and nutrition stuff on the side or afterwards. Yeah. Just like we have to learn more of the rehab stuff to be the best rehab chiropractor based as as well. But but um Yeah. So do you actually practice medicine right now or do you kind of full time try to I don't know, podcast and YouTube and you know that kind of like digital I, I lifestyle? Do it, I do it all. I do it all. So going back to your um the first point, um I actually just applied to Dio. Once I understood osteopathy, um I was like, Wow, how come everyone doesn't know about this? Exactly. I didn't even know about it. <laughs> yeah, that was junior year of my university. That was my third year. And uh, once I went into it, I only applied to osteopathic schools. For those in the audience that doesn't know, I'm sure you guys have explained, but just to, as a friendly reminder, osteopathy is basically the same thing as a medical doctor, as an MD in the United States. And uh, we practice, we prescribe, we do surgery and license in all 50 states. I know uh, a DO is different internationally, and uh, mm-hmm. we are seen as more as like a chiropractor or a bone setter is the original terms. But um, we're we're exactly the same as a medical doctor in the United States. Yeah, I would encourage everyone if you're in school, you know, to kind of look more into it. But to to answer your question, what I did with my culinary degree was. I took a different path. You know, most people went into restaurant work, um, hospitality, things like that, catering. 
I decided, you know, specifically to enhance my family practice type of um, style. So I mainly worked in outpatient clinics because I really enjoyed the rapport with, you know, physician and counseling a, a patient and coaching them. And so I only worked, you know, outside um, outpatient clinics, you know, and that's what I did. So how I use it was, you know, I would go more in depth in terms of lifestyle, you know, counseling. And then outside of it, I would Sometimes I would get hired or asked or invited to speak at conferences, podcasts like this, write for other publications. I would do speaking engagements, workshops, demonstrations, and I would just do like food demos and talk about how food as medicine could be used as a tool um, to be able to better our health. My main audience uh, wasn't really uh, targeted, but it just happened to be like this. But my main audience is actually healthcare professionals, specifically <laughs> for primary care. And so I think it sets up nicely because it helps teach the teacher. And so it can create a ripple effect and they can go back to their communities and teach others. And the whole point of all this, honestly, my whole sole purpose is really to, to, you know, teach, inspire and empower others so they could, you know, help others. That's really the main goal of it. So over the years, I started an online platform called The Chef Doc um, three years ago. A little bit more than three years ago now, you know, I wrote a book and then, you know, I started a podcast last year. So that's true. I was meant to write that down that he, that he wrote the book. It's called The Thrive Doctor. Uh, Thrive Medicine. Thrive Medicine. Thrive Medicine. I was close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So are, do you find that patients are even receptive to, you know, as a chiropractor, of course, we're much more likely to talk about, oh, you got restless leg. Maybe you should, you know, take some B9 or maybe eat some more broccoli or something. Mm-hmm. Are you finding that patients are receptive to this type of thing or do you have potentially like a cooking workshops for like diabetics or anything or? Um, so most of my stuff is online. So after I graduated, um, I've been doing mostly traditional traditional medicine. Right. Okay. So and then what I would do is I'll blend it. I don't have my own practice per se. And then the chef doc is kind of like a uh, uh, a passion that's outside of, you know, medicine. Mm. And sometimes it blends, sometimes it doesn't blend. I typically work for other clients and employers. So what ends up happening is that people will find me online or via social media and go to, you know, my website for resources. And that's where I have like articles and, you know, other resources, you know, things like that, you know, and then when I talk to patients, I would refer them to different things that I trust, you know, because, you know, nowadays we have, we're inundated with a lot of health misinformation. And so uh-huh. I do my best to be able to kind of scour and find trusted resources for them so they can further educate themselves because, you know, education is, you know, power. So the more you're educated, the better choices you can, you know, make for your own lives. So what are you finding to say the top two or three either articles or podcast episodes that you've released? Like what kind of topics are, are hitting your top charts? Um, my podcast is focused on three things. I, uh, it's plant-based lifestyle. A uh, second is enhancing emotional resilience. And then third is about thriving, you know? So, um, so I source out guests that, you know, in general are very just passionate, you know, people. And, you know, so I love, for me, I thrive in my own life. And so I know that I can bring that energy, but when you have two people in the room that can, you know, both bring that energy, it's kind of like a dance, you know, it will, you know, my, my perspective is that it will help, you know, the, the podcast, um, a lot. I usually uh, talk to doctors, dietitians, chefs, coaches, and then other people that are, you know, entrepreneurial, you know, that are just, you know, very, very passionate. So they just kind of bring that. 
But my top episodes to answer your question are ones that talk about plant-based lifestyles. Um, I, I talk about uh, a lot uh, with um, experts that talk about using lifestyle and using evidence-based approaches um, relating in the lifestyle medicine field to be able to enhance our health, especially during the pandemic. I actually came out with a 10-episode uh, COVID series just talking about enhancing wellness uh, when this all happens. So for those who are just like, uh, not into this plant-based nutrition and plants can heal things, what is that or uh, what would that look like? Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, obviously, in the field of nutrition, it's a very evolving and ever-changing science. There's always a new article or new, you know, new segment about it. But you know, when I talk about plant-based, I talk about whole foods, plant-based living. You know, when you look at the research, it's the only diet, a plant-based, you know, diet is the only diet that's been proven to reverse heart disease diabetes, and early stages of prostate cancer. And this type of literature has been dating back since like 1990 in, you know, publications like The Lancet, you know, and very prominent news, uh, news publications, medical journals. And the reason why most people don't hear about this is one, we're not taught this in school, you know, going back mm -hmm. to my first point. And then number two is that big companies and corporations don't profit off of this. So it's the type of things that you're not going to see headlines for. You know, you will see a cholesterol lowering medication or you will see the next weight loss fad than seeing like big broccoli, you know, trying to. Yeah, know, big lotus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some exactly. bok choy benefits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, so you're not going to see that. But the, the, the science is sound and the science is there. And there's mountain loads of this. You know what I'm saying? So it's just bringing it up to awareness and things like this, you know, a podcast, a book, conferences. But yeah, the literature has been there. I don't, for me, like, you know, it's not rocket science for people to say, eat better, eat your vegetables and fruits and things like that. So for me, it's like, I don't subscribe people to you know, a specific diet. I just tell them to eat more It's about plant. cooking it too. We, we know we need to eat vegetables. It's just nobody wants to eat them because they taste like garbage. Unless you exactly. know how to cook them. It, it really comes down to whether, you know, you know how to prepare it. You know what I'm saying? Um, in terms of an American diet, you know, we're not that well versed. But when you you have influences of, you know, other cultures, you know, you know, we just prepare it better. You know, the in yeah. you know, Indians, you know, prepare it better. You know, Southeast Asia prepare it better. You know, the Chinese prepare it better. You know what I'm saying? So you Straight just kind of have to find, you know, other ways to do it. So it's not impossible. So, Yeah. I agree. I mean, my wife is Chinese, and so that's pretty much what we eat nowadays. And <laughs> it's just, it's always just so good. My kid eats it. She's two years old. She eats all the vegetables that we can cook from lotus to black edible fungus and all kinds of stuff yep. that people are like, wait, what is all these things you're saying yep. at the moment? But it's all about the spices. And I saw on the side that you have, you know, recipes and different things like that. Yeah. Okay. So that's really good to hear about the target audience, if you will, and, and the, the goals behind what you're doing. Because, yeah, I mean, we eat too much meat, I think. Mm -hmm. I still do, but I still do. And, and I really like uh, Dr. Walter Longo's. He has his longevity diet yeah. and mm -hmm. all that, the prolone. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really subscribe to that. And, and in theory, it's just harder to implement. Yeah. There's a lot, but, a lot of sciences and benefits with like intermittent fasting that are coming out that shows, you know, really good stuff. But yeah, I mean, for your audiences, if they're curious, I would say look up, you know, the names of Dr. Dean Ornish. Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, T. Colin Campbell, Michael Greger, you know, these guys have sound, sound research. So, you know, don't take my word for it. 
And what's nice is you get to actually, because you have the degree, it mm-hmm. brings more credibility to what you're recommending, mm-hmm. where if it's just somebody off the street, it could become like, oh, that's just woo-woo yeah. type of weird stuff. And you're like, well, yeah. actually, it's not. Like, I know what I'm talking about. I, I do not know how to read research and things. I think you may have already answered this question, but when you're doing marketing or trying to get the word out for the Chef Doc and, mm-hmm. and Thrive Medicine, the book, mm-hmm. anything that you're doing that's really working well? So social media has always been, you know, helpful, you know, for me. So I've been, you know, I use uh, Facebook and Instagram since the beginning. You know, I'm not an expert or influencer, quote unquote, status, but um, it's really just leveraging social media because of, you know, its inherent network. And for better or worse, you know, social media, you can argue that, you know, making us dumb, making us numb and, you know, (laughs) making us zombies, you know. But if you use it as a tool, as opposed to letting, you know, allowing so your, you know, allowing social media to use you, then you could use it for, you know, beneficial business and marketing strategies. So I use social media. So I'm active on Facebook, Instagram. I use LinkedIn a lot. You know, that's how you found me. Mm-hmm. And then I have my own website, which, you know, if you think of it as you don't have a website, it's kind of like, you know, it's like the modern day business card and you could, you know, go from there. And then, you know, the book I thought was a very good way to kind of reach more people than I can with my four walls. And then the same thing with the podcast. You know, podcast is a relatively newer medium compared to like movies, TVs and radio. But it's it's evolving exponentially. I think it's a great way to be able to engage with audiences. So what can we expect in the book? What, what will we find there? A bunch of recipes Hardcore science. So the reason why I titled the book Thrive Medicine is because in my own life, um, I was able to do a lot personally and do a lot professionally. And so the book is kind of like half memoir, half like self-empowerment. And so I I went on this, you know, self-work going inward, you know, to, to yourself and, you know, trying to learn more about my life and, you know, things like that for a greater part of a decade right now. It chronicles like you know, different things I've learned along the way. And so I've learned a lot of tools that I wanted to teach others. So in the book, you know, you'll get a lot of personal anecdotes, but you also get a lot of, you know, tips and words of wisdom, you know, from myself, from my own experiences. You know, I cite articles and things like that. And then there's like action steps. There's like call to action. And then there's notes for you to jot on. So the book is really about how to take your life, you know, and, and elevating it to a higher, you know, purpose, a new level for yourself if you want to, you know, do that, you know, because what I found, you know, observing people in general is that we go through something called the default life is what I name uh, a term it. And it's kind of like, you know, you're born, you go through school, society, parents, um, you know, religion, you know, they all have their ways of, you know, teaching to someone. You, they mm-hmm. tell you to go to get a job, go to school, get a job, get married, have kids, and then you work until you die, pretty much. And so I felt like most humans kind of follow this pattern. But, you know, I felt like, you know, if we could take some detours or mm-hmm. we do something different, we might find that, you know, we can enhance our lives differently. And not to say that that route you know, is bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that, you know, why don't we entertain different things or different pathways for ourselves to, you know, get more out of life. Okay. Based on everything that you've done and the experience with your patients and everything, are there any actual foods, not just generic vegetables, real food items for diabetes or high cholesterol that you're like, this is something that I recommend to people because of it's such high quality? 
There is. I mean, I could go in the route of saying like specific foods, but I think I would do more of a disservice to people if I don't okay. recommend, you know, the reasonings behind, you know, why a plant based lifestyle is is uh, is good. So, you know, when you look at, you know, these chronic diseases, you know, they all have like a very similar basis of chronic inflammation. Right. And so when you study, you know, how and, you know, what animal based foods like, you know, meat, eggs, dairy, cheese and what that does to our body. And then you compare that to how plants, you know, and when we say plant based, we mean vegetables in all its varieties, fruits in all its varieties, whole grains, beans, legumes, nuts, seeds, whole grains, things like that. That's what we mean by plant based. And you compare that and you look at the science is that what it what plants does is that it lowers your body's inflammation. When you mm-hmm. lower your body's inflammation, it it lowers the likelihood of you getting heart disease and cancer and strokes and diabetes. So in essence, eating more plants will help you be able to combat all these different things. So it's better to 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 say that in that way, because that's ex- actually what it does. I'm not trying to right. manipulate. I'm not trying to manipulate, you know, the wording, but that's what it does. And we need to steer away from how we prescribe things like how modern medicine does, like a pill for every ill. And yeah. how Mother Nature does it is that it's not like that. It takes care of your entire body. You just got to look at the research. You know, it's just there's just so much, you know. Do you feel that? Obviously, I think you're saying white flour, white rice is probably stuff that probably just need to not not be eating as much. Stick to the other types of wild rice and and whole wheats and things. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say I would say in general, you know, when you're eating animal based foods, not only is it pro, you know, it's promoting more inflammation in your body, but you're also depending on how it's prepared. According to the uh, the World Health Organization, we classify red meat, for example, as a class two carcinogen. Right. And processed meats like cured, cured meats like bacon, uh, sandwich meats, deli meats, things like that. Anything that's preserved um, or manipulated in a way, processed meats, that's a class one carcinogen. Do you know what is in the same class as a class one carcinogen? I'm going to go with cigarettes. Yep. Tobacco, you know, cigarettes and asbestos. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, yeah. And so a lot, not a lot of people know that. Right. And so we know that, you know, over time, over the decades, we know that it's bad for us. But, you know, food is the new cigarettes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you if you look at the work by Dr. Neil Barnard, he says, if you could eat better, uh, eating, eating better is like the nutritional equivalent of, you know, stopping smoking. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's the that's the problem. We have to look at our food industry and see how and understand how they have been able to manipulate us to eating these, you know, food that we see in our supermarkets. So what I tell patients really quickly is, you know, when you shop a supermarket, it's very strategic. Right. And I tell them to shop the perimeter of a supermarket. Why? Because that's where we keep, you know, refrigeration. We keep things alive is with the refrigeration around the supermarket. Everything in the middle is on a shelf. Right. So how do we keep things on a shelf by preservatives, chemicals, additives, colorings, things like that? Right. We don't Mm -hmm. know. And because of all the combination, we don't know how how that's going to affect us, you know, long term. But I always tell patients, I was like, if you need to shop, you know, shop for things in the middle, go for things that are five ingredients or less. And if you can't pronounce an ingredient, I wouldn't put that in your body. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, Mother Nature, real food doesn't have a nutritional label. And, you know, if you eat real food, it's perishable, you know? So I tell people, if it didn't come out of the ground, 
If it didn't come off of a tree and if it didn't come off of a vine like that, I probably wouldn't minimize it. So not only do you have inflammation, you know, you have things like heme iron, you have things like TMSO, you have things like endotoxins. You have different components that come with animal protein, for example, that, you know, destroys the body. You know what I'm saying? That promotes the oxidation, you know, your body. What we found with plant food is that it does the opposite. And what it has that animal foods don't have, you know, in proportion is vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, polyphenols, and fiber. Fiber only exists in plant food. It doesn't exist in animal food. And if you think about the animals, for us Americans, we eat cows, beef, chickens, things like that, you know, pigs. What do they eat? They eat plants. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, if so therefore, they're vegetarian. It's okay. They're vegetarian, you know? <laughs> and if you look at the biggest, the largest animals on earth, giraffes, elephants, gorillas, what do they eat? Plants. You know what I'm saying? So how do they get so large? You know what I'm saying? Because we're so obsessed with protein. We're so obsessed with, you know, calcium. We're so obsessed with all these different things that if you, you look at the animals that we actually eat, they're actually just the middleman. They get their nutrition from Mother Nature. Well, what do you have to say about like vegans who – I'm not saying – I don't know if you're going all the way like hardcore like let's be vegans or not when it comes to this. But it seems that there are a lot of vegans that they just kind of default to breads, carbs. They don't right. – still don't eat much vegetables. And so after a few years, they're chronically malnutritioned. What do you think of thoughts? So with that, you know, you have to look at the terminology. You have to understand a definition. So like – Plant-based is vegan, but not every vegan is plant-based. You see what I'm saying? So plant vegan mm. is devoid of animal products, right? And, and that's ex- their biggest catch. Yeah, yeah. And and extreme vegan would be like they're not even wearing or use any products that are made from an animal, right? So you could eat a Twinkie. Um, I don't know my international audiences know what a Twinkie is, but you and I know what a Twinkie is. But if you eat a Twinkie all day long, you can still categorize yourself as a vegan, right? Yeah, it's squishy, it's fake bread, it's the most marshmallowy just So that's why trash. I say that's why I say like whole foods plant based, right? So whole foods plant based is basically like ninety five, ninety eight percent predominantly plants. And then you have vegetarians, which is a separate category, and vegetarians is a full spectrum, right? You have pe- you have vegetarians who eat plants that eat eggs. Yeah, uh, you have vegetarians that eat, you know, just cheese. Or you have pescatarians that eat fish. So you have to be able to be careful with how you use your terminology. And another thing I would say is that if you look at the blue zones, you know, you research the body of work by Dan Buettner, uh, who's a National Geographic um, explorer and writer. The blue zones are high concentrations of people that live over 100 in different pockets of the world. There's like four or five of them. If you look at the diet of the blue zones, you know, they're not even vegan. You know, they do eat animals, but they do it very, 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 very infrequent and very rarely compared to Western civilizations that it doesn't really, you know, it's like a drop in the ocean. It doesn't really affect them. You know, they eat meat, you know, for celebratory events like what, like weddings and anniversaries and holidays. You know what I'm saying? For us, uh, for us Americans, we eat it, you know, three times a day, 365, 24 seven. You know what I'm saying? So it's about, you know, it's about predominantly what you're eating. So that's why I say, like, I just want you to eat more plants. I tell my patients, very simple, eat more plants. What type of oils do you recommend? Butter or like what would you what would you recommend people cook with? 
Um, so in terms of oils, it depends on if you can eat oils that are naturally found in plants, that's better. So nuts, seeds, avocados, things like that. Like an avocado oil, flaxseed oil. Yeah. So I would say, you know, added oils, I would probably minimize as much as possible. But if you had to use a cooking oil, I would use like, you know, depending on what kind of cooking you're doing. If you're doing high heat cooking, I would recommend like grapeseed or avocado oil. Okay. I wouldn't, I would steer clear of any type of vegetable oil, soybean, canola. You know, I would not use olive oil for cooking whatsoever. Um, really? Because, yeah, because, you know, it, it, you denature. Uh, the oil when you when you when it reaches a certain smoking point, every cooking oil has a certain smoking point. And so mm-hmm. like, you know, it'll burn essentially like, you know, it'll burn at deg- uh, at temperatures, you know, quicker than others. I would just use avocado grapeseed oil if you had to use a cooking oil. But in our plant based community, we advocate minimizing it, you know, or just, you know, eating the natural oils that come with food. So, yeah, so, so what do you use instead so you don't get stuck on a pot? So there's just different cooking methods. So I, so it depends. You know, when you look at uh, cooking, the research behind cooking methods, when you're doing wet cooking versus, you know, dry cooking, wet cooking is healthier in, in, in terms of minimizing the AGEs, which is, um, I'm blanking here, which is basically. What does wet mean? Like boiling or just having more? So wet meaning like, you know, boiling, steaming, uh, parboiling, you know, things like that. Dry cooking is like roasting, grilling, um, sauteing, frying, things like that. Like wok cooking would be considered dry normally? Yeah, yeah. Wok cooking, Chinese cooking is basically you're using a lot of oils and uh, you're you're using a big uh, uh, wok to be able to push it back and forth. And you know, using a, you know, high surface area, you know what I'm saying? But you're not mm-hmm. using a lot. You are using oils, but you're also using, you know, liquids as well. So, but the point of it is that you're, mini- you're minimizing AGEs, which is basically the oxidation, you know, components that produces basically quote unquote rust to our body. When you're cooking more dry, like for example, when you're grilling something and you see that blackness, that's cancer producing. You mean the good part? Yeah, yeah, the taste. Part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you can't. There are cooking methods where you can, you know, just brown to a certain point. But if you, you know, do too much of it, you're promoting more AGEs, thus producing more, you know, oxidative components in your body. So I would probably say you really lost a lot of people when you said we have to boil and steam most of our vegetables because <laughs> automatically they're like, "This is going to be boring." Have you had <laughs> steamed broccoli before? You're crazy. But I think once you cook it, for instance, like I cook a lot of like I call it Asian Cajun because mm-hmm. uh, I'm from you know South Louisiana, so we've got to uh, blacken things. But if you were to boil or, or steam a bunch of eggplant and, and broccoli and things like that, you can always throw it back into a wok or something yeah. and put your seasoning and just sort of spin it around, maybe put some soy sauce or whatever yeah. else you want to put into it. And then boom, now you still have a ton of flavor, but you cooked it. In, in a steamed fashion. Yeah, you're, I mean, what, I, I, when people who do not put themselves into a kitchen, I always tell people, you know, get yourself into a kitchen. You know, that's how you take back your health. Because mm-hmm. when you outsource, I like to use the word outsource. When you outsource your food to like a restaurant or a takeout or a, a delivery, you don't know how they're preparing your food. It is built for taste. Yeah, and it, it's built for a business. They're there to make money, right? How do they make money? By reducing costs 
by buying the cheapest ingredients and cheapest ways to prepare your food in order to make a profit, right? How are they going to stay afloat? Mm-hmm. So that that doesn't translate to the healthiest ingredients that's going into your – they're not there to look after your health. They're there to make no. business. So I tell people, you know what's going into your food when you're in your own kitchen. So I don't care if you're an amateur cook or whatever. I'm not asking you to be you know, Michelin star chef. I just need you to get back into the kitchen and prepare your own food. That's how you take back your health. Yep. Okay, switching gears. I want to make sure we stay within our time frame here. I always like to ask about personal stuff. So when we're talking about like a spouse or a significant other, things like that, a lot of people do all these things and they get divorced and it's always sad. And mm-hmm. is there any tips that you have learned through life so far that helps you to have a good, strong relationship with other people? I definitely say um, the biggest it, – it's funny you ask that because I went to a physician wellness conference earlier this year, and they said that financially what would you know help you the most is date night. And what that means is that, you know, spending the time to reinforce, you know, your relationship, not just with your spouse, but with your family, with your friends. One of the longest studies that we have um, that came out of Harvard, it was like a 70 year uh, study. And um, that, you know, the, the, the question they were asking was, what are the main factors that, you know, promote joy and happiness and things like that? What they found was was relationships. If you could spend the time, especially in a, in a pandemic where we are going more indoors, you know, spend the time to reach out to someone you normally wouldn't reach out to, you know, spend more than just the five minutes of pleasantries, you know, talk deeper, ask uncomfortable questions, spend the time, do something, you know, with your significant other, try to get to learn something more about them. The more we can, you know, learn about each other and, and, and thereby learning more about ourselves, the better, uh, you know, the deeper relationship we have and we're social beings. So we will have more of an enriching life throughout my travels, you know, just in life. I just find that experiences mean the most to me, making memories, mm-hmm. you know, having experience mean the most to me. So to me, it's like I invest, you know, more time and energy with people, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I do. Yeah. If I have any tips, you know, it's really just to there's no right or wrong to it. Just spend more time with them, practice learning. If you mess up saying something, you know, just, you know, rephrase your words, go back at it and uh, have a humbling attitude, you know, and always come from a place of gratitude. Life is short. You know, I know that's a cliche, but I think what the pandemic has taught us is that life is also fragile. You know, for those of us that have lost, you know, a loved one to COVID, we realize that it's another reminder that life is very fragile. So don't wait, you know, like spend the time to get to reinforce your relationships. And in a timely manner, it's, um, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of black friends and with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything, it was challenging to say, okay, let's have this conversation if they're willing to have it because mm-hmm. it's going to be an uncomfortable conversation probably for both people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you have to tread lightly sometimes because you might make assumptions. They might make assumptions and, you know, feelings can be hurt and you don't want to damage a relationship. But at the same time, you're like, hey, these are important conversations that you could have. And there's no better time than now yeah. when it's kind of all in your face yeah. uh, for the entire year. So, I, I mean, I don't know how to encourage that if, if people want to have that conversation or not, but it's it's I think it's worth having. I, yeah, no, definitely. I think in America, I don't know how it is in Germany with the Black Lives Matters movement, but in America, you know, it's it's very, very, very heated and very, you know, we still haven't really got a hold of it. Um, and, and 
you know, for those that are not black or brown, you know, it's just for America, you know, it's it's something that's been in our history and in our you know American history and culture for like 400 years. And the reason why it's we just haven't really addressed it appropriately. And this uh, affects our economy. This affects our health care. You know, I've written an article about how it's, it, it influences health care disparities, affects our uh, economy and it affects everything from every type of level. So I would say the best thing you can do is just educate yourself um, to inform yourself. Ultimately, if you're not black without judgment, I would say it's better to listen, you know, and have an open mind and be patient and just let Mm -hmm. people just kind of voice out whatever they need to voice out. You know what I'm saying? Because I think listening is the best way to kind of open yourself for change, you know, so. And just by listening doesn't mean you actually agree with what they're saying. Right. (laughs) But to know and then making those decisions, I think that's two different things, but it goes a long way to like understand what the other person is trying to say. Um, okay, so last last fun part. You mentioned a lot of names in the uh, the show already, mostly yeah. researchers. But any books or other podcasts that uh, we should look at, especially as a doctor audience, that we should probably read or look at, so that we can actually pass on to our patients. Oh yeah, definitely. So the number one nutrition uh, is so uh, number one nutrition uh, source that I go to is by Dr. Michael Greger, and uh, he founded the nonprofit called NutritionFacts.org. And uh, he's written the book, um, How Not to Die, his second book, How, How Not to Diet. And um, he is number, he's literally the number one go-to person in terms of like unbiased information. Because what he does, he's dedicated his career by dwelling in and diving deep into the latest nutrition and lifestyle type of and food type of evidence-based research. And what he does is that he will take all that research and then distill it into bite-sized videos for uh, for everyone to look at, you know, and read and consume free, you know, no commercial, you know, um, bias, no sponsorships on his um, work. And he everything, all the monies that he gets from his books, his speaking engagements, all all goes back to charity um, and then goes back to continue the, the, fa- the foundation and continue his work. And he's really good. He's very engaging. He's very funny. I, you know, recommend you need nutritional help, you know, go to nutritionfacts.org. And in terms of, um, you know, the other stuff, in terms of building up emotional resilience, um, things like that, I've always been a good, uh, a, a big fan of Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins is, you know, internationally known. Um, he has his own podcast. You know, he's helped a lot of people and he's been doing his coaching uh, style for like four decades now. And he's like, you know, he's he's like your mom. <laughs> yeah. So um, so that's what I would do. And, um, you know, if you want to learn more about me, you can go to chefdoczoo.com. I have links to, you know, all my resources, book, podcast, things like that. And you can. Z-H-U is Jew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So C-H-E-F-D-O-C-Z-H-U.com. And I'm sure you'll provide those links. So. Absolutely. You'll have a whole show notes page with transcript even. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the program. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And that was a, it was a privilege and thank you to, to you as well. Another great interview has ended while you're on your phone. Click that review button, write up a nice review for me. Five stars. If you could, as everyone says in the industry, it'll help other people to find us when we have enough rankings, not to mention I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you follow me at all on Instagram, you know you only get one link. So I use a link tree. And so it's a 
doctorsperspective.net slash links with an S. And that's going to give you everything you need to know. The top episodes of 2017 and 2018, the podiatry series, dentist, acupuncture series, holiday 2017, financial series, how to write a review, how to support the show, like buying a cup of coffee, getting swag, like t-shirts, the Today's Choices, Tomorrow's Health book. That's the blueprints for better health, exercise, picking food correctly, and financial. And then, of course, bundle packs, which can get you the no-needle acupuncture book, 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pin, at a great deal. The resources page has some of the products that I like. It's uh, affiliate style, so if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. Just like on the show notes pages, if you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well. So I really appreciate that. Things like Screencast-O-Matic, PureVPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, ProLone Edge or Hawk Grips. Uh, once again, if you do need any coaching on how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight, and the ProLone Diet, Fast Mimicking Diet, 5-Day Plan, let me know. As well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc., reach out. Facebook, Justin Trosclair, MCC. Of course, at a doctorsperspective.net on the top right, you got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini-sodes on Thursdays and Saturdays. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week. A doctor's perspective. Learn stories of success. Avoid struggles they've met. Doctors of all kinds. Come together to help you shine. So sit down.